0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. We're talking about the importance of God's Word. This is lesson number five. And we're talking about how it's only the Word of God that reveals to us where we came from, why we're here, and where we are going. And there's only two places that you go to when you die. One's a place of comfort, and one's a place of ultimate discomfort. Do I have any takers for the place of ultimate discomfort? Just kindly raise your hand. Okay. Okay. No takers. Anybody want to experience when you leave this realm of life a place of ultimate comfort? All right. Praise God. Exactly. That's what we want. Well, it's our faith that determines whether we go to the place of comfort or discomfort. It's our belief system that determines where we go. And when you've got all these people out there saying there's many ways to God. Yeah, there's only one way to comfort though. And there are many ways to discomfort. And if you go the wrong way to God, you'll get to God, but you'll be judged at the great white throne judgment and cast into the lake of fire forever. You see, there's someone that came from heaven. His name is Jesus. He told us how to get to the Father. He said, it's through me. And he could have been spouting off words, saying whatever he wanted to say, like any other supposed religious leader of the day that came along and just saying, you know, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. But you see, he said, no, I came from heaven. I'm I'm not of the earth. I may have robed myself in flesh, but I'm here walking on the earth as the God-man. Let's get right to it. That's who he said he was. I'm your Messiah. I'm, I'm the incarnate one. God manifests in the flesh. And of course, they said, well, prove it. He said, you see this temple here? Prove it. Tear it down. I'll rebuild it in three days. It took many years to build this temple, they said. He said, "Uh, yeah, I know that. But I'm telling you, go ahead. Destroy the temple. Three days, it's coming up. So they did. They killed him. Every claim he ever made, every statement he ever spoke, anything at all that he preached in that Sermon on the Mount and everything That ever fell from his lips when he came up out of the grave cried out I am that I am I am the living God who walked among you can you imagine that so are you going to believe Buddha whose remains are still in the tomb are you going to believe Confucius did he raise from rise from the dead to prove his claims as to being somebody special? No. Are you going to follow the path of Judaism that says we don't believe in the Messiah that is Jesus? What are you going to believe in? Who are you going to believe? Me? I believe in Jesus. I believe who he, he is who he said he was. The way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. That belief will get you into the place of comfort throughout eternity. Now your works will follow you in. See the works, your deeds that you do to advance his kingdom on the earth after you become a Christian? They'll they'll follow you in and you'll be rewarded for everything that you've ever done for him on this planet. And also it's true on the other side. Your belief will get you into a place of discomfort. Let's get bold. It's hell. Place of eternal suffering. Your belief. what, what, What do you mean by my belief? Well, here's your belief. I believe I can handle it. I believe I could do it myself. I believe I could be good enough, live a good enough life to make heaven. I believe I went through a certain amount of ceremonies and that sort of thing. And I I believe that'll get me into heaven. When you stand at the pearly gates and they say, what gives you access and the right to have access to the holy place of, of God? Well, I was a pretty good guy. And you're gone. And what gives you the right to enter in? Well, I got baptized in water when I was a baby. Eh. You're gone. Well, what gives you the right to get there? I'm a Presbyterian. Eh. I'm a Methodist. Eh. I'm a Pentecostal. Eh. What gives you the right to get here? The blood of Jesus Christ. Come on in. Come on in. Hallelujah. It's not my life's work. It's his life's work. It's not my performance. It's his performance. It's not what I've done. It's what he has done. Oh, somebody shout, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. It's all because of him. All right, let's begin. 2 Timothy 3, and look at verse 15. We're talking about the importance of God's word. You realize if you didn't have God's word, you wouldn't know one thing I just said this morning. And if God didn't reveal all that to us through His Word, we wouldn't have any understanding of this. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee, everybody say, wise. Wise unto what? Wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. How important is the Word of God? It's important because it determines where we spend our eternity. If we didn't have a revelation of God's Word, we will flounder through life not knowing where we're going to go. And I was at that place in my life when I was very young as a teenager. And I would, even though I was in church for all those years, I was in a church that didn't preach salvation by faith through, by grace through faith. I was in a church that's just taught you all kinds of different other things, you know, just got to follow these rituals and all that. But all those years, and I didn't know Jesus my Savior, I go to bed at night and I would be sweating bullets and Crying out, saying, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I didn't know that was conviction at that time, but I was under Holy Ghost conviction telling me that you may be in church, but you're not saved. You can sit in the garage and you're not a car. You can sit in the chicken coop and you're not a chicken. Sorry. Right? Right. Or you can wallow with the pigs. That doesn't make you a pig. You see my point. Nothing is more important than your salvation. Nothing is more important where you're going to, than where you're going to spend your eternal destination. Every single one of us is facing, when we leave this realm of life, heaven or hell. And you know what my responsibility is? To make it very clear to all of us so that not one person at the sound of my voice will say, well, you know, the preacher didn't tell us how to get to heaven. That's not going to do anything for you when you get there on the other side. But it is my responsibility. So look at verse, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, because salvation is the most important thing and the Word makes us wise to salvation. What makes us wise to salvation? The Word of God makes us wise. That means alert, aware of, to salvation. Well, as I said, growing up, I didn't hear salvation being taught. And I've had a lot of people come to me and also say, I never heard that when I was growing up in church i never heard, I've had, when I'm talking about these mainline churches, I've had people come up and say, I've been sitting in a mainline church for 25 years. Not once did I hear born again. There was a preacher on the radio, 72 years old, who was a teacher for many, 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 many years, and had a Bible study on the radio, who said, I'd just like to announce to all of you today that I'm 72 years old, and after 25 or 30 years of being on radio, teaching the Bible, I just got born again. Wow. You understand it's, it's the heart. It has to be a reality that you've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Not that you sat in a pew somewhere and you went through all the rituals of all that. No. It's a relationship with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's one that calls you to surrender your heart. Hold that verse for a moment. You could turn. Wait, wait just for a moment. It means that you give your heart to him. And that you deny yourself, that you take up your cross, that you follow him. I want to talk about that completed salvation here in just a moment. Don't get nervous. I'm not going to do my whole message. You you can take that home and study it. How many of you don't know the name Horatio Spafford? Don't know. Raise it up high if you don't know the name, Horatio Spafford. Whew. I thought at least a few of you might. <laughs> Horatio Spafford was a Chicago businessman and at the time very wealthy. And he planned on a vacation for he and his family, his four daughters and his wife, and they were going to set sail. Well, it so happened that there was a, a fire. That destroyed all of his properties and his wealth was gone. But the, but the trip was already paid for. And so they were getting ready to get on board to take their, their journey across the ocean. And all of a sudden a business venture came up. And he decided to stay back and said, I'll meet you girls on the other side. As soon as I wrap this up over here, I'll catch another ship and I'll get out there. So they set sail. And sometime later he gets information that the ship that they were on sank halfway to their destination. His four daughters died. His wife was spared. His wife, I guess, was spared. She was at her destination. She sent word back, all is lost except me, our four daughters are gone. And you can only imagine the effect it had upon his heart. And so he gets on board the next ship to get out to go meet his wife. And is, he's crossing the ocean right where his daughters went down and died. He wrote a song. We sang it this morning. It is well, it is well with my soul. And he said, you know, when peace like a river attend your way. But when sorrows like sea billows roll. Sea billows roll. Whatever your lot, my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. He said that he knew That he knew because his daughters were all saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. That no matter what on the other shore he would see them again in eternal glory. So no matter what my lot you've taught me to say it is well. It is well with my soul. Praise God. Nothing is more important than our salvation. So let's put that verse back up because this is salvation right here. And I think in our society and culture today, many think that, well, I got baptized in water when I was a baby, so I'm saved. So go live the way I want to live. Go do what I want to do. Uh Uh-uh. That's not what the Bible teaches. So let's look at it. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly or completely. Did you know that you're a whole person? You're a complete person. And I pray God you're a whole. Notice this. Spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ." How many parts of man's being did he talk about? This is a very important verse of scripture because it gives us a revelation of the triunity of man. It teaches us what man is made of. You see many are faltering in our societies today because they don't realize man is a tripart being. You can't be saved by religious intellectualism. That's an impossibility. It takes faith. Grace by faith, by grace are you saved through faith, and that faith comes from God, not from man. So man is a tripart being, spirit, soul, and body, and in the beginning when God made man, from the very beginning, notice this, he formed his body from the dust of the earth. So now we have a formed body, but no life, no expression, no communication, nothing. It's just a body. And then at the next moment, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. Man is not a body. Man is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a body. Say it with me I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. See, the body is just our earth suit. And if this was dissolved, that doesn't mean we're dead, we're still alive. Okay, so we have the triunity of man, spirit, soul, and body. Salvation, to be wise, alert, aware of what salvation really is. The scriptures were given, and Timothy had the scriptures, and he said, look, the scriptures make you wise to salvation. Number one, the spirit of man needs to be saved, needs to be born again. The spirit of man must be born again. Not religious. Look at John 3, 7. He's talking to a religious man. Nicodemus is a religious man he'd be like a bishop or a cardinal say in the Catholic faith we're talking about someone way up there and Jesus says to him marvel not that I said everybody say Jesus said Jesus said you must not could not should you what you must be born again oh if you've got ears to hear, please hear. Your spirit needs born again. You cannot train your spirit when it's dead. You can't be good enough to make your spirit right. You must be born again. Well, we're, I thought we were talking about the importance of the word. I'm so glad you said that. I am so happy. Look at 1 Peter 1, 23. Look at what it says. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. How is one born again? Through the word of God. There has to be a revelation of the God's plan of salvation in order for a person to be saved. I had someone when we were in Midland when the church was in Midland I had someone sit on my front porch which was the parsonage at that time and he sat there with me and he said I'm so, dis- dis- so distraught and he kept going on and on. And I said, well, why? Why are you this way? I've asked Jesus to come into my heart numerous times. and He's not doing it. And I'm trying to figure this guy. And I said, you've got to believe. What, what, what do you mean? I mean, this went on and on and on and on and on. I finally just said to him, let me ask you a question. What do you believe about Jesus? He said, well, I've been in, in Jehovah's Witness. I said, oh, So you think that Jesus is a good person. Uh Uh-huh. Oh. So you think that uh, he's like a brother to Lucifer. In the beginning. And I said to him, you know why Jesus hasn't come into your heart? Because you're not receiving him as the Lord of all. As God manifests in the flesh who died for your sins, rose from the dead... Went to the high court of heaven, offered up his blood, obtained eternal redemption for you. You must acknowledge him for who he is, deity, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, and then he will come into your heart. If you don't believe that, you've closed the door. Makes a big difference what you believe. You must be born again, and it must be by the seed of God's word. See, we've been born of corruptible seed, we've all been born of seed. But you know what? That seed is going to produce death. Thank God for the incorruptible seed of the word of God that will never, never fail to produce a born-again experience if someone will call upon the name of the Lord from the heart. But what saith it? Uh, Paul said in Romans chapter 10. The word is near you. It's in your heart and your mouth. The word of faith that we preach. That if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved for what the heart man believes to righteousness. What the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Notice it's the word of faith that's there. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. So you see the Jewish people may be God's chosen people. But in actuality they were all chosen to be in Christ. And because they rejected Christ. He said, I'll go to the Gentiles and make you jealous. And they've been jealous ever since. You know, why? Because we've got joy unspeakable and full of glory. We've got the life of God in us. We've got the nature of God. We've got the ability of God. We've got a relationship with God. Are you ready for this? We have what Lucifer wanted in the very beginning. Do you see that? Okay, secondly, the soul of, soulless part of man. All three parts of man were affected when he fell. His spirit was estranged or separated from God. In the new birth, and that's the only thing that can do it, is when the power of God comes in, you become a new creation. He gives you a brand new heart and a brand new life. He takes the old spirit out, puts the new spirit in. You're recreated by the blood of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. You become a child of Almighty God, not a child of wrath any longer. You're born again. But secondly, the second thing that affected man was his soul. His soul is comprised of his mind, will, intellect, and emotions. And so the soulless part of man was also affected just like his spirit was separated. But now the soulless part, he lost the knowledge of God. And he's floundering through life thinking, I think this and I think that. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you think wrong, guess what? You're going to live wrong. You're going to believe wrong. You're going to live wrong. You're going to act wrong. Your conduct, your character, and all that depends on what you think. Like in our society today, our culture today... I don't know where it's going. It's not going up. I'll tell you that right now. You understand what I'm saying? Because how a man thinks is so wrong, it's it's unbearable. It's up to us to do something with our souls, and that is to renew our minds and deliver us from the way we think. So look at these two scriptures, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. First of all, Be not conformed to this world the way the world thinks, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So now the mind has to be dealt with. So the spirit God dealt with gave you a brand new heart. You're born again. But the soul, your mind, will, emotions, and intellect, we've got to renew our minds to the word of God. That's how important the word of God is. If we don't renew our minds to the word of God, we're not going to be able to do the things that we need to do to carry out the completed salvation that he has offered us. Okay, look at the next verse and this is a powerful verse of scripture in James chapter 1 verse 21 Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted what? Word that is able to save. We're talking about salvation here. Save your what? They're already born again people he's talking to. But their souls need saved. You know you need rescued from them the way you think. I need to rescue from the way I think. That latter part, save your souls, it means to deliver yourself from your corrupt way of thinking. Your corrupt reasoning. We think wrong. Why? Because we've been separated for, from God for so long. Our thoughts are wrong. And the enemy knows the way to get to a person's life is to his thought life. Eve was the very first one he attacked. To get her to think wrong. And then as you think, that's how you become. And so the soulless part of man needs to be, number one, renewed to the Word of God and then delivered from the corrupt way that we think. Then you've got the physical body. And the physical body has a need too. It needs to be changed and it needs to be glorified. And look at the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 15. This body that you're living in right now, you're not a a body. You're a spirit having a soul and you live in a body. But you're going to leave this body someday. You're going to make an exit. Someone says, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Uh Uh-uh. I didn't buy a ticket. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Unless you plan on not dying, you're leaving your body someday. Well, the body you and I are living in, look at this. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkle of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible. That's talking about your body. And we shall all be What? changed for this corruptible body we're living in right now must put on incorruption and this mortal body must put on immortality see in the fall of man the body was affected too it was immortal it would live forever but now all of a sudden becomes mortal subject to death we're going to die and so we need to be wise unto this this is called salvation look at the next verse 1st Thessalonians chapter 4 if you don't got your and clothes on get them on right now or buckle up your seatbelt because you're ready I'm looking for the day that this happens. I would pray we'd be all be together in this sanctuary when it occurs. But I want you to see something about the word of God. You cannot make heaven in that body of yours. It will not go to heaven with you, but your spirit and soul will go there. Your body will be left behind either in ashes or in a tomb somewhere, wherever. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are dead asleep. For you, why? That you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. People that sorrow the death of a loved one that have no hope, that's a lot of sorrow. It's a deep sorrow. But for we, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep or have died in Jesus, will God bring with him. He's bringing them with him. For this we say to you by the what? The word of the Lord. How important is the word of the Lord? Here it comes. That we which are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep or dead. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. In other words, death does not have the final say. Death is not the ruler anymore. So here's the picture. This body can't make heaven. So when we leave it, it goes back to the dust of the earth. But God has His eye on it. And every cemetery is resurrection soil. And every grave of every person in Christ Jesus has an ear. All the dirt on top of that grave that's in that casket underneath six feet under one day we'll hear the voice of the Lord and the shout and the trump that's going to blow and when he does they are going to burst open every one of them and every dead body that's in there all the ashes whatever they've been reduced to are going to come out praise God and and meet their spirit and soul in the air be glorified and you and I standing like we are right now will be changed and glorified and begin to aglow with the spirit Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. You want to go now? That's going to happen. And my Andrew, it's getting heavier and heavier. Dad, I told Jesus I wanted him to come before my senior year ends. He's not listening. I said, son, he's going to come. I I could read you the text. I could probably sit here for the whole, an hour, and read to you text after text, after text, after text. Is he coming this fall feast? He knows this is a fall feast coming up. Is he coming for the feast of trumpets, Dad? You said the trumpet's going to sound. Is it going to sound? I, I know, I know what you're going to say. Just occupy till he comes. I understand that. But if he doesn't come this September, we've got to wait till next September. Every day. Text after text after text. Every single day. Son, he'll come when he wants to. He knows the right time. He knows. So just, you know, kick back, relax, serve the Lord, tell others. about I do tell others about Jesus, but I want him to come. Talk to him sometime. The body needs change. Let me, let me just close right here with this 1 Peter 2, 2. He's coming again in clouds of glory. And we that are alive are going to be caught up and changed in the twinkling of an eye. And you know what? when it happens there's no second chance when it happens you can you talk about world events can you see all the newscasters being so frantic when multitudes of people are missing could it be a ufo invasion or is it like some of those crazy charismatics talk about the rapture of the church well it can't be the rapture because that's unintelligent you can there's no intelligent force behind that it's irrational it's illogical to think that something like that could possibly happen. Can you imagine? You know, like my dad scared me into the kingdom by saying, "You'll be driving in a car, and the, and the driver is going to be raptured out, and you're just going to be in a wreck. You'll be on a train. That's how back, how far back it was. You'll be on a train, and the conductor will be gone, and there'll be there, and the, the train will just be going by itself, and you will probably just die. Or if you're in an airplane, it's going to happen. The pilot's going to be gone, co-pilot's going to be gone. No one out on the plane probably can fly the plane, and poof, it's going to go down. You're going to go down with it." Thanks, Dad, for the encouragement this morning. <laughs> I appreciate it so much. I'm just so excited about that. Some people have no idea what I'm talking about, the rapture of the church, but it's going to happen. Okay? It's going to happen. And I came to realize that. And that's how I got saved. And so I thank God for my dad's influence and my brothers and so on. As newborn babes, look at this. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, why? Because without the word of God, we cannot grow in our Christian experience. Did you hear that? And notice the analogy. Notice what he, the example he uses. As a what? Newborn babe. We saw some young ones here. We see some newborn babes. Do they desire their, their milk? Do they desire nourishment? Mm-hmm. Absolutely they do. Do you have to pinch them to get them to cry for their... No. When they get hungry... They're like a hungry man. Wah! Where's my steak?" <laughs> "Oh honey, it's milk today." Uh, and then the uh, um, I should say, the Italians. "Where's my spaghetti and meatballs, mom? I want a pizza now with pepperoni on it." And then one time we were on vacation. It was lunchtime and I went and we were at the the beach and we brought lunch and this Mexican family was over there and their daughter were playing with my daughter together. And I come back saying, honey, the pizza's here. And I hear him saying, honey, the tacos are here. (laughs) I was waiting for a continue on. Chicken fried rice. (laughs) Chinese are here. Come on. Let's go eat, right? Because we all have different. How how many of you know that spiritual growth is compared to natural growth? And that's why Jesus often used like man doesn't live by bread alone. And that we all grow at different rates, right? Different paces. I don't see Brother Ben here right now. But do you know there was a time when I was taller than him? (laughs) It's true. It's true. See, when I was born, I was 21 inches long. He was only 20 and a half. Now, growth, you know, some grow at different rates. So, yeah, maybe he passed me up, but I'm on my way. It's going to take me a little longer, but it's okay. I'll catch up. Spiritually speaking, the rate of your spiritual growth is dependent upon your knowledge of the Word of God. And if you don't daily read the Word of God, You won't grow. You won't develop. And if you and I don't renew our minds to the word of God. Our minds are not going to be prepared to face the battles of life. We're not going to grow spiritually. It's important that we understand this. You know and I hear some people say a lot. Well I have read a lot of the Bible. But I've not been doing it lately. Well let me ask you a question. Have you ever given up on eating? I've eaten so much all my life. Oh my goodness. I've had so many Thanksgiving meals that I'm about to burst. I've just given up on food. I just forget it. You're not eating anymore? No, 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 no. No. You've really given up on eating? Yeah, why not? It just it takes a lot of time. You go to a restaurant, sit down. You're there for an hour and a half. Who wants to do that? What about drinking? You ever give up on drinking? I don't think so. What about sleeping? Sleep. We all need three disciplines. Food, water, and rest. We need those to grow, Right. Absolutely. So you see, what happens is people stop reading, studying their Bible, praying, going to church, etc., etc., etc. And what happens is they don't grow and develop spiritually. So it's important we understand our need to get into the Word of God and then develop spiritually. So it's important that you and I make a decision to change the way we think. And let me give you one last verse here before I'm going to close. If we're going to carry out the will of God for our lives, our minds must be renewed to the Word of God. So look at this verse in Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. And here's why. For my thoughts, this is, imagine this is God speaking to you directly right here. Forget me, but listen. If you want to close your eyes and listen to what God is saying. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways, my ways saith the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So let me ask you, if that's true, and it must be because God said it, if my thinking about something differs from His thinking, should he change for me? Or should I change for him? I lied. I'm going to give you another of the scripture. <laughs> uh, maybe two more. Can I have two more? I won't be much longer. I, I, I promise you that. If your viewpoint is based on our culture, human speculation, or human theory, or whatever, then you know what? We've got to change. Look at Romans chapter 9, verse 20 from the New Living Translation of the Bible. Look at what it says. See, when you come here, you're going to be taught the word. I'm telling you right now, if you want all this craziness, you'll find it somewhere. But if you want taught the word, you need to come here. Listen to this verse. No. How about that? Don't say that. Don't say what? Who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, why have you made me like this? powerful. The last person I heard of that wanted to box with God was Job. Job, smart Job, got full of pride and arrogance, and he thought, "Mm, it's time. I need to know something. If you live, if you exist, I'm telling you right now, he's rolling up his sleeves. I'm ready to have uh, with you a debate. I'm ready to go round by round with you. I want some questions answered in my life. And he just kept on going on and on. He got so arrogant and he got got God so riled, he appeared to him. He appeared to him. Hey Job, before we box, before we go after it, let me ask you a few questions. No Lord, can you imagine when he saw the presence of God? The limited visual aid that he had there of of God. That was enough for him to change his whole mind and run away. And God said, "Uh -uh, uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. He went to box. Let's go. Round one. By what cords does the earth hang out there in space? Uh, no answer? How does sowing and reaping work? Who set these laws in motion? How does gravity work? I mean, just goes on and on and on. You know, Job says, I'm, 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 tucked his tail between his legs and just said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How can the created say the, to the creator, I know more than you? We should be the most humble people on the planet. Because we don't know anything. The creator knows it all. And then this, this last verse uh, Job 22:21. We're going to skip this and then I'm going to sh- promise you I'm going to quit. You ready for it? Look at Job 22:21 from the Amplified Bible. There are three words here that you should highlight. You don't have an amp- Amplified so just maybe make note of it. If you have your phone with you, just write these words there. These three words are so important to all of us. Acquaint now yourself with him. So number one is acquaint. Two, agree with God and show yourself to be, number three, conformed to his will and be at peace. By that you shall prosper and great good shall come to you. Those three words, acquaint, agree, and conform. You see, in Matthew, that one verse we just skipped over, it says, um, love your enemies. And here we are on earth and saying, really? 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 Love my enemy? Yeah, love your enemy. What good is it if you just love those that love you? But if you love your enemy, you'll be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. I don't agree with that. Well, give up your tithes and offerings. I don't agree with that. Um, You should not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I don't agree with that. I could be, wait a minute, wait a minute. How shall the created tell the creator? what guidelines we are to follow he said look agree with me conform to my will and if you will acquaint yourself with my ways because they're higher my thoughts because they're higher agree with them because they're higher and you'll be at peace and great good and prosperity will come into your life so no matter what it is that we see in scripture that we disagree with humble yourself and humble myself and just say you know what If Jesus said, I must be born again, then what? Yeah. If Jesus said, be filled with the Holy Ghost, then? If Jesus said to love your enemies, right, and do good to those that hate you, then do good to pray for those that despitefully use and abuse you, speak well of those that speak evil of you. And why? Because he's the creator. We're the created, Right. So this is the importance of God's word. We can't rebuke the devil if we don't know what God said. How can we speak the word if we've not read the word? How can we speak the word and proclaim and confess and declare and decree what it says if we don't know what it says? Nothing is more important in our lives than to know God's, to become wise to God's salvation. It's important to us to continue studying God's word. Let's stand together before the Lord.